I love talking film. I love watching movies. I even have a movie podcast. It's called Haven't Seen It. You can find us on Apple and Spotify and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Pod. This week's movie, The Exorcist. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenet. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And this week it is myself. Uh, Tommy, you've seen this before, right? Yeah, this is my third watch. So, yeah. And I. And I also believe it is our special guest this week. First time seeing this movie too. Martin and Boaz from the Film vs. Film podcast. It's a movie podcast where they just pick their favorite film topic, director, actor, genre, any subject. And they discuss something about that topic. They discuss the directing, the screenplay, and the acting, and they rank them out. Tommy and I were fortunate enough to join uh, earlier last month, and we were able to talk Taika Waititi films. And it was a blast. We'll link them down below in our description. They're a it was a great time, wonderful podcast. Martin and Boas, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us on. It is a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. And I'm correct in saying that this is your first time seeing this this The Exorcist, correct? Shamefully, it is. I mean, is <laughs> is there like some sort of ritual we have to do to come on this podcast? You know, Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was there, like, I don't know, Hannah Warrington shouting yeah. shame. Yeah, I think you should be whipped, whipped yeah. badly, Good. Yeah. burnt with dragon fire. Good reference, um, naked. too. <laughs> yeah. Timely, timely reference. Timely yes. reference. <laughs> Very looking forward to that show. House also, of the Dragon. House I've the seen. Dragon. I've seen Hot some D. paper. I've seen some paid reviews already that are saying that it's better than Game of Thrones. Which oh, I find. Jesus. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, any, any expectations for House of the Dragon? Uh, cautiously optimistic, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I love Game of Thrones. I really do. I'm not one of these haters that hated the last season. For me, it was season seven that let season eight down, you know, so I'm looking forward to it a lot, you know. I like Matt Smith as well. Paddy Constantine looks awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. But uh, if it loses me, it's going to lose me. You know? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never been a big Game of Thrones fan, so I'm probably going to pass. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, one of the things that gives me more faith with it is unlike the, um, you know, the Game of Thrones show, he didn't finish the books for that. And, uh, and you know, everything up till when they got, you know, it started to kind of go wonky when they kind of ran out of his material. And uh, this one, House of the Dragon, it's already a book he's wrote. You know, he's already written this yeah. prequel ages ago. So, you know, I'm I'm less, you know, worried about that. You know, it's pretty damn <laughs> yeah, I've heard, so. yeah, I heard the next book is currently on schedule to come out in 2050. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <apparently>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Somebody else saying is, like he, somebody else is finishing it. There's just because yeah. the, there's yeah. no way they're not going to finish them, but he's not going to finish them. Yeah, it's gone to the no. point where I almost wonder if like he just has like one page on his like fucking like uh, like word processor <laughs> that just says just like whatever was whatever supposed to be like songs of fire rice five or six and that's it and it's just been sitting there for <laughs> seven six years. It's like yeah. Gareth Thrones ended what like three years ago and he's still not even like made 
how much progress on the book, if any. Mm-hmm. Well, I one, think uh, one word a day. Yeah. I, think, I, I, I seriously, I don't think he's like, he, he doesn't like, he kind of goes, oh, you know, it's nearly done or I'm halfway there or whatever, but he doesn't like give an exact progress. It would be funny. He used like to. Five <laughs> pages in or something. I, I, um, I, I just think it, it got too expansive and now he has two books to like close the door. Yeah. On it. Like, and plus, plus, you know, he's sitting on a lot of money. I mean, like, he's got. Yeah, he doesn't he have can the financial go incentive. Fucking, you know, yeah. He can go base if jumping. He didn't need to. <laughs> base jumping. I don't know. Skydiving, whatever. He can do whatever. If he, if he oh, really could, he'd just be like, ah, oh, fuck it, whatever. We have the TV show ending. That's the end of the whole book series, too. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Maybe he's doing that, copying and pasting everything from like. <laughs> Last it's literally just like the script annotations yeah. that changes from like a normal book until like <laughs> yeah. the second half of the book is just a script <laughs> reading right there. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, to talk, we'll stop talking about the terrors of Game of Thrones season seven <laughs> and season eight, and we'll start to talk about the scariest movie of all time. This is The Exorcist. Something almost beyond comprehension is happening to a girl on this street, in this house. And a man has been sent for as a last resort. This man is the exorcist. Wait, was that the trailer? <laughs> that was the TV trailer. I mean, there's like oh, a wow. four okay. minute cut of the trailer. There's all like the like the theatrical cut. There's also like band trailers that were epileptic, like they had the flashes on it. We also did the Godfather on this and I found a TV yeah. trailer for that. And boy, they really did not know how to do TV trailers back then. <laughs> <laughs> Those early 70s, uh, still working out the kinks right there. Um, just that, that guy's voice Brando was so monotone. In the film. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> I'm the, like we said earlier, I'm the only one that's seen this movie beforehand. So um, The Exorcist, I feel like, is one of those movies uh, that gets built up so much of, like, like I said earlier, the scariest movie in the world. It was so much that like audiences had to have like barf bags in the theater and ambulance were apparently like right there to make sure like people wouldn't pass out and stuff like that so given his film reputation did you guys feel like you built up a lot in your head and did it meet those expectations was it as scary as you thought it would be i think if i watched this as a kid like i did for things like alien and halloween it probably would have scared me shitless um but i think watching it now you know a lot of like the linda blair stuff with the makeup and the vomit and all those sorts of things like they, it wasn't scary to me, you know, the head turning around. I, I kind of found those scenes quite fun in a way, <laughs> watching them. But actually, the scenes that I found the most scary was actually the hospital scenes, weirdly, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where you have like uh, like the needle going into her neck. You know, yeah. they cut <laughs> just before the needle penetrates the skin. And there's and all the machinery, uh, like there's uh, like a weird MRI scanning thingy like spinning above yeah. her head mm. like the, the the sound is really loud and i'm just like whoa that's no thanks next hospital please um, yeah I, th- I think that was i think that was state of the art at the time which is just terrifying yes. yeah but, yeah well I, apparently um it was like called the most realistic depiction of a medical procedure in a popular film and apparently radiologists used it for like training years mm. after and that was a lot of you know, people because like the blood yeah. like squirting out of her neck was just like, oh, God, this is too much. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess if you had watched it as a kid in the 70s, early 80s or whatever, like it would be the opposite. Like the hospital stuff wouldn't be as bad. And, the you know, the 
stuff with the demon and uh, Linda Blair would is obviously the scariest stuff, but I found it just quite interesting and just fun to watch, you know, the horror, horror stuff in that. I think uh, the, there was one moment, I think, you know, there's a thing of, you know, there is a lot more, you know, crazy stuff out there currently, you know, uh, really horrible body horror horrors and uh, very, very scary shit that kind of came off of the back of this. Um, that it's not, it, it's kind of difficult to sort of compare. You know, this is like, you know, in the 70s, this is ages ago. So I can understand. And also there's the problem of it being parodied, um, which kind of just ruins yeah. the surprise, you know. It, it's permeated pop culture that if there's anything scary, if 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 I wouldn't have known about it, like I already know about it before it actually occurred. So, you know, that kind of loses its sting a bit. It, it's kind of like when I watched um, The Sixth Sense for the first time uh, with a friend and I was like, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. It's like, damn, it's such a shame that, you know, everybody knows the twist, you know, like, so when it happens, I'm, had... like, I'm like, yeah, oh, okay, that's the twist. But I'm, I wasn't like, off my chair like you know yeah exactly what like most people would have been because yeah. i already knew yeah so I, I get the same sort of sense in this film i think that the only thing that actually freaked me out because i didn't know it was you know i've never seen this bit parodied so you know it's the scene where she does her head 360 degrees i've seen that what i haven't yeah. seen is her stabbing herself in the thigh i i literally <laughs> did not know that I don't think when she started doing that. I don't think it was her thigh. Yeah, probably her. Yeah, yeah, it was her inner thigh. Well, thank God the Simpsons just had the head turning scene and not like like Bart or something like that, like stabbing himself in the dick or something. Yeah, yeah. So, like that, that was shocking. I, like, I knew everything in that scene because I've seen it parodied, except that bit. I don't, I haven't seen that bit parodied. So where she's like. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so that freaked me out a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that was the only part in the movie where I audibly just went, oh my God. You know? um, I think just... a lot of the other things that does hold up in terms of the scariness is like the script and the language that comes out of Regan's mouth. You know, <laughs> there's even the sea bomb in there. I'm just like, yeah. whoa, that's insane. Uh, you, know? you know, I think what should definitely be, um, you know, remembered or, or sort of appreciated is like for such a young girl she's an incredible physical actress like yeah she's just yeah. <laughs> she's fucking amazing and then you think um like all of the lines obviously she's not talking in a devil voice like she's having to dub that but it's 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 fucking seamless it's just yeah like i think she's just tremendous you can't even tell yeah and she I was know. um she was nominated for the academy award and then apparently um it was found out that she didn't do the demon voice. Uh, that was Mercedes uh, McCambridge. And yeah. then pretty much that ruined her chance of the Oscars. But still, she's amazing. No, Mercedes man, McCambridge. I, I, I think then the Oscar people are fucking stupid. It's, it, yeah. it's harder <laughs> to dub perfectly to yeah. someone else's voice who's a completely different register, you know, yeah. than yeah. to just make up some shit. And I mean, nowadays they could like get the person making the voice and then do some crap with the you know audio equipment. Uh, the CGI stuff, wherever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they should. I, I think an, that's. I would have given. They should have. Well, both of them give both actresses the award. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like a little co-share thing. Where um, it's. Mm. I mean, thank God the technology is better because apparently the way Mercedes McCambridge got into the voice of uh, the demon was she uh, swallowed raw eggs, was chain smoking, <laughs> and was drinking whiskey, even though she had problems with alcohol abuse in the past because she knew it was <laughs> right for the character. So, that is <laughs> so yeah. 
So that's my issue with my accent. I need to drink more, smoke, and well, that was yeah, that's a deeper voice. voice. Get possessed by a demon. The ET voice was done by a chain smoker. Like would smoke like (laughs) two packs a day to get the voice down here. I'll be right here. Do you think uh, the cigarettes company companies tried to capitalize on that? You know, back then, cigarettes. (laughs) Like have it. You want to sound like like ET kids? You love you love ET. Twenty yeah. percent off for voice actors. Twenty percent off for voice actors. People, <laughs> yeah, exactly. come along, get your cigarettes. Yeah. Strictly yeah. in their popular movies. Yeah. <laughs> the Joe Camel ET commercial. Where is that? <laughs> um, he touches the finger with like Joe Camel or ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the interesting, like, it's more of the psychological horror between uh, Chris McNeil and uh, Father Damien Karras as they kind of go through intersecting arcs of somebody who has no faith turning mm. to mm. faith to just dis- like out of desperation mm. and a man of faith who has basically lost his faith, like mm. almost kind of rediscovering it again towards the end. Mm. Um, I think it. this is a good clip I have here when he meets the devil for the first time when he meets Regan, uh, Linda Blair's character. It's just like a nice juxtaposition. It gives you a good ex- example of like him realizing, oh, this mother was not crazy when she just came to me and said like, Hello, Regan. I'm a friend of your mother's. I'd like to help you. You might loosen the straps. Huh? I'm afraid you might hurt yourself, Regan. I see. Well, then, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Karras. And I'm the devil. Now, kindly undo these straps. If you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? That's much too vulgar display of power, Karras. Where's Reagan? In here with us. Show me Reagan and I'll loosen one of the straps. And you're helping all all the boy, Father. Your mother's in here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. If that's true, then you must know my mother's maiden name. So I ended the clip there so that the audience would not have to listen to vile vomiting sounds. Uh, more out of politeness <laughs> well, to that's them. That's the best, yeah. the best part. I'd have to say, just hearing like the voice like divorced from like the visual aspect of like seeing Reagan is just kind of fucking hilarious because you're imagining that he's just talking to some like chain smoking woman in Vegas, just like on the slot <laughs> machines over and over again. <laughs> Thirty dollars for a Rema, honey. <laughs> I still ten bucks any mother six cocks in hell. <laughs> I still find it quite creepy though listening to just the breathing, not necessarily mm. what's being said, but just like that, you know, that heavy yeah. breathing. I, I yeah. thought the sound design in the movie was oh, yeah. in, in, yeah, like was just really incredible. Cool. Like it, like that's I think where a lot of the horror comes from for oh, a yeah. modern audience is when it's like mm. they're just in the downstairs by the stairs, and you just hear the the. T- like the just like the sounds mm. coming oh, permeating uh, from it like yeah you did know, you this, see this an did, you notice, uh, did you notice one shot um because i, I kind of rewound it a couple of times where they sneak in a um how do how do i explain this like they they sneak in a frame of pazuzu 
into the background oh, yeah. of one uh, of the scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I quite like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, um, the, so do we do we all watch the directors, uh, the original cut or the director? I cut? watched the original cut on original, HBO. Yeah. Original, same. Yeah, that was on HBO. I watched the director's cut before. Um, the main difference is that they include like more shots of yeah. that, like just a little spice it in uh, Pazuzu hmm. a little more, but it's still effective in the movie. Where it's just like you kind of hmm. notice at first, you're like, if you're looking at your phone at first, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you see it. Yeah, exactly. I do like that scene quite a lot because obviously, you know, we've been saying maybe that with the scares, there's a lot of like um, limitations with how they can create the scares. But in that scene, like uh, the demon says, like, um, you know, I'm not going to use um, what did she say? Like an abuse of power, Power. abuse of my power, abuse of power or whatever. And you know, the demon knows that uh, that he can like um, terrorize uh, Karis with psychology and and mm. cunning and all that, and not necessarily just you know by using crazy shit in the room or whatever. Yeah. Even though she does vomit at him at the end, but that's how she can really get under Karis's skin by saying that she knows uh, his mother. You know, yeah. I, I find that quite clever writing and not just relying on the special effects all the time and i think yeah. it's it's an attack on his lack of faith too like when yeah. um <clears throat> father Marin, played by max van setow which honestly incredible mm. aging like old age makeup because he if you look at him in the force awakens and you look at the makeup from this they, it looks like he, what he's aging to guy. himself. <laughs> what, did, did you guys realize that it was uh, old age makeup at first because at first nice. i was yeah. uh, thinking yeah, at first I was like, "Wait, how fucking old was Max Fenster?" He, <laughs> he only died. He only died like two years ago. Was that, was he just mm. like eighty for like fifty years or something? <laughs> well, you don't know sometimes with those people from the sixties and seventies. Like you never look at pictures of people that are like, "Yeah, this man was thirty, and you're like, "This dude's sixty. What are you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very glad it was. Uh, what's his name? Max von Sandow. Apparently, they were uh, gonna uh, cast Brando in the uh, role. That's what the studio wanted. And that would have been terrible because it would have been too distracted and it would have become the Marlon Brando movie. <laughs> no, you needed that like stern, mm. cold, calculated, but a man of yeah. full faith. Like you see it during mm. the actual exorcism scene where he is so like, they're like, do you want to know anything about this case before him? No, I don't. And just like goes up and does it. Yeah, and a great. man of full faith is able to perform this exorcism, but they get under Karis's skin because Karis is lacking the full faith that he once had because of his yeah. mother's death. I, I yeah, I, I like how it, it kind of really, when it gets uh, a nerve, it, it kind of keeps squeezing on it in very interesting ways with like Karis's mother and, uh, you know, making fun of, uh, you know, his mother and all that and that she's in hell with her. And then I like where it, it kind of, uh, it, it takes on her voice and it's like, you know, yeah. like, Dimmy, why did you do this to me? You know, what do you, <laughs> why did you leave me and all this shit? And he's like, you're not my mother, you know, it's like really, really freaking the, out. Yeah. Like if the demon wanted to, it could have easily just killed like, um, like everyone just instantly. Yeah. But it really just, well, you get the sense that it's a troll. It just loves yeah. just like, finding, like, <laughs> like, how can I piss off this person so yeah. much? How can I rile them up? <laughs> yeah. So like, I think the way I sort of interpret it is, is yeah, I think uh, at the snap of a hat, it could have killed everybody, but um. Mm. There's no fun in that. No, it's not just even fun because you know where um, where it, it he's going to do the exorcism or whatever, or it's the first kind of interview because he wants to 
like gauge if he can get an official exorcism from the Catholic Church. Mm. And um, and it says like, uh, oh, it's a wonderful day for an exorcism. He <laughs> yeah. says, and he's like, you know, aren't you That's afraid that I, you know, I'll separate you from Regan? It's like, no, you'll bring us together. What you and Regan? No, you and us. So yeah. like the whole thing is a performance. It's like he wants them to be as pissed off and as annoyed as possible and as hopeless as possible that they'll lose their faith because then, you know, when they die, they go to I, hell. You know? I think that ultimately the demon wants to possess Karis more than anything. I think that Reagan is just like yeah. a prop essentially yeah. to Pazuzu where it's just like, yeah, this will really like rattle them and like fuck them up if I possess this little girl and make her do like all this wild shit. Yeah. But really, like I want to go after the priest here. That's the guy who I really want to possess. Yeah. Because mm. the demon is kind of like feeding off Karis's guilt, you know, throughout the film because uh he's very much struggling with uh his mother's death um and there's that great like um dream sequence where you you have the kind of typical well not typical but there's like a flash of the demon uh in like one frame that reminded me a lot of like fight club that was quite cool but what i loved about it is it, it kind of showed very real human fears of like your your mother like wandering off you know because there's that little shot of his mother just like walking down the subway entrance you know getting lost and stuff um i thought that was really clever and also just like the you hear the snoring from Karis as well you don't often hear that with dream sequences so mm-hmm. it's it's very real it felt real you know the the guilt that he was going through and the demon very much Mm. prying on that and also kind of working it it works against the demon in the end anyway because it brings Karis back to his faith like yes the devil is real i need to sort this shit out possess me and then down the stairs <laughs> bye bye <laughs> uh one thing i watched out in the dream sequence um was the mom i think the mom in that sequence saying like why'd you do this to me damien and i gotta admit that scene just made me just crack up her performance in delivery of it was just like almost a little over over the top right there where i was just <laughs> like oh oh god this is <laughs> like i feel so bad for damien right here <laughs> jesus christ you know we were talking about like the hospitals earlier and you know how you were like mm-hmm. oh get me out of this hospital but we saw the hospital that his mother was put into the public ward with all the crazy people uh, yeah, like attacking Karis, and you're yeah. just like like they do show you the juxtapositions of the hospitals too where you're like mm-hmm. oh like this wealthy actress is going to take her daughter to the the best of the best available mm-hmm. that like that that hospital that is you know it's, i think for like a contemporary audience because you're watching all this old technology yeah. and you're just like what the what the fuck is this I, uh, oh my god get me out of <laughs> why here why is the blood spreading ever next <laughs> like w- w- where did where are they taking her but you know, at the time, that was state of the art, and then it's nice to see like a ward that was built in the late 1800s, probably. Yeah, and that's it all they like have. A fucking prison, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I just kind of like that real subtle reaction, uh, well, subtle acting performance. Um, Karis does when like all the the patients or some of the patients are, like grabbing his arms, and the nurse is trying to take the patients off, and he kind of just snaps a little bit and just you know beats them off a little bit and that was that was kind of a really interesting thing because i think if he was a priest he wouldn't you know fully fledged uh priest who is completely committed to faith he wouldn't do that sort of thing Mm. so i I quite quite enjoyed uh his arc in this movie so it's also kind of very christ-like if you if you know your good book you know where (laughs) um you know the the people were trying to you know take some of christ's power you know for healing and stuff when he was walking around like a mm. oh, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, it's just one of those things where like some of the scenes were just like I was kind of shocked on rewatch this time. I mean, like we were talking about this earlier. This movie's more of a drama than it's a horror movie. Oh, really, yeah, yeah. At the yeah. end of the day. Um, I mean, like, yeah, we have the things with like Reagan being like the um, possessed and that's scary and everything. But yeah. this is just at the end of the day, an existential crisis of one man and how he's going to like, mm. you know, renew his faith right there. And I just yeah. like how it lets it breathe a little bit. I mean, like some of the characters we don't even see die on screen, which if this yeah. movie was made today, you'd probably have like oh, a scene yeah, of, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have the director scene like of him getting like killed by Reagan or something like that. But yet more outward, more obvious right what happened <laughs> mm. but i love i love um what's his name merrin's death i think that's definitely my favorite because as you said tim when he comes to the house uh you know in that an amazing shot when he gets out of the taxi cab oh, and i can't light is beaming down I, I, on I, in the fog iconic yeah, yeah. and uh merrin asks um you know, do you want to know any background on the case? And he's like, why? <laughs> and then yeah. they just like, no, we, we're going uh, fully straight ahead with a faith angle of doing a proper exorcism. I don't need to know yeah. any details. Let's just go for it. So you, you feel like you are in safe hands with Merrin, even yeah. though, that you know, there's a lot of freaky stuff going on. But and then they take a break. Uh, and I think yeah. Merrin stays in the room. And then when Karis goes back in the room, Merrin is dead. And you're like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's gonna go? What's gonna happen? Like, you we're know, fucked because, if this guy can't get it. <laughs> yeah. Because we were talking that, you know, the demon was kind of playing with them, um, didn't want to like kill them straight out, even though it could. So you're just like, how did Merrin die? I don't feel like the demon was that particularly violent towards the priest uh you know Karis's character throughout yes you have the vomiting but she was always more violent to her mother i would say um so it's just and because she's just sitting on the edge of the bed just giggling so you're just like how did he die it's so it's, it's just such a really interesting moment because obviously in the opening scenes are amazing in Iraq. There's a lot of creepy stuff going on, but you don't see him again for like mm. a good hour, hour and a half. Hour and a half. Hour. Ages. Yeah. Because you, for, the... you forget about him. Yeah. yeah. He That's, has this yeah, amazing I think it's like presence. An hour, hour and 40 yeah. minutes into the film that they finally contact Marin. So, yeah, it's one of those things when you're watching it, you're like, yeah. what was like the first part of this movie for? Like, what, what's, yeah. like, why are we, why don't we go back to this character? Yeah. I, mean, yeah like, I was kind of confused. I thought, I thought that was maybe like Reagan's dad or something, like, because they keep mentioning her dad. I was like, who the fuck is that character? Is that why she got possessed? <laughs> like, why, why are they in like, Iraq? Like, way what, what later. Is this? Yeah. yeah. But it, it ties it back in. Um, that was the screenplay mark of act, beginning of act three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Marin's cab arrives outside the house. But yeah, when he arrives though, you you just feel like, yes, okay, we're safe now. Yeah. You know, we can we can get through the rest of the film as we're watching it. Yeah. And it, you know, he, he gains so much presence um because you feel like you're in safe hands. But I love I love the opening scenes of this film in Iraq. You know, I'm a big fan of like MR James ghost stories. Um, you know, he he loves like English, very ancient English architecture with churches and cathedrals. And I got a lot of that kind of M.R. James vibes here with the archaeological finds and stuff. And 
even there's a little scene where um like he sees an old guy he says something to him and then the next shot on the old guy like it seems like he's dead or just like frozen or something i don't know yeah. and then when like before that when Merrin like picks up um an artifact in a hole and it looks i don't know really a dog thing i don't know what it is but literally after that like all his acting is different. He feels shit scared throughout the rest of that scene in Mm -hmm. Iraq. He's very troubled about something, but you just don't know what, Uh, you know, you have the obvious thing as well with, with that amazing, um, like uh, uh, Smith's, you know, uh, hitting that metal thing in, in, in uh, rhythm. And he looks around and he's only got one eye. Um, and even just the simple thing that doesn't really connect to anything, like near the end of that scene when they're in a church or his office or something, and the clock just stops ticking. <laughs> and it's like, why has this happened? <laughs> it's it's all like in, a very... Yeah, but in a really positive way, you're just like, okay, something really weird is happening here with this character, but you just don't know what, and I love how ambiguous it is. It's a very like interesting way to open up the movie because like you know you'd expect this movie to open up with like Reagan and her mom or something like that and like the scene that we see earlier in the uh, later in the movie of just like them like you know being a normal mom and da- uh, mom and uh, daughter relationship or something like that and instead mm. it opens in that way it's kind of like you said ambiguous you're wondering like okay what's happening here why are we open up in Iraq who are all these characters that we don't see except for Max von Sandow for the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah it's just like what's going on and it's. It's a more interesting way to open it, I feel like. Well, when I yeah. when I when I opened it and then it like it started with the hammers and the sun like the sun beating, I was like, is this the 45 minute mark of Raiders of the Lost Ark? Like what <laughs> movie did I just get transported to? Like yeah. I, I had n- I was completely like taken I was like taken aback at a moment because I've yeah. obviously seen the oh. stairs, like Georgetown, that part of DC. Okay. I'm you know familiar with like that aesthetic. I was expecting mm. that didn't d- didn't get that immediately, but it, it's nice. And, it, you know, I think that, you know, I think that symbolizes the awakening of Pazuzu or whatever. Uh, they don't mention the, it by name the in the movie. <laughs> they don't mention it by name because it's a silly name. But, you know, I'm think I was thinking about it when I was watching Snake it, Penis and, Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they have the scene of on Regan's birthday with uh, Chris calling the screaming at the operator trying to get in contact with her birth father who's not there and that's like regan's vulnerability is that she has a parent that doesn't care about her and it's very clear that the the demon attaches itself and attacks people who are vulnerable so it's it's attacking chris her vulnerability is her daughter being sick yeah. uh he attacks karis because karis is lost guilty his mother and him. guilty guilty about that and with with Marin's death, we don't really know what vulnerability they attack, which I think works in the movie's yeah. favor. But it attacked that vulnerability. Maybe it's his age that it, that's what. Yeah, it just he's old as fuck. <laughs> just like he probably could have startled Marin and just had a heart attack. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it could just be because Marin didn't like tell anyone that like some sort of demon has uh, been released, you know, in Iraq or something. Like you, mm. you should have warned people, but you didn't. I'm gonna kill you now. You know, well, so. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not sure if that was the case, but I feel okay. it could be. It could be, I suppose. But yeah, maybe it's just his fear of the creature, or you know, in the scene before that, he was very worried about if you know Karen could like do this bloody thing. You know, like he kept. You know, it's like uh, he was worried if he had enough faith to uh, to see it through with him. 
Um, so he dismisses him. Yeah, yeah, and he does dismiss him. Marinette character is like pretty much emotionally closed off. Like you said earlier in the beginning yeah. of the movie, it's like, do I know any emotional background? No, I don't need it. And I think yeah. that's probably what doomed him. I mean, like, I got to imagine mm. that Pazuzu knew something that struck a nerve and he was so emotionally closed off that that just affected him. You know, alternatively, it could be like, you know, he could have killed any of these people at any point. And because he specifically sort of asks for Marin, you know, when he, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the demon or whatever is making all that noise and he plays it to this linguist. And that guy's like, it's English. And when he rewinds it, it's like, you know, fear the priest, Merin, Merin, and stuff like that. It's like, what? Um, so it's kind of seeking him out anyway. And then I think uh, it could have just brought him there to kill him. So it would freak out everybody else, especially yeah, like Karis. So it's like, that would definitely break the family's faith if, like, you know, mm. the best guy in the business was killed, you know? Like, I mean, yeah. That'd At this point, cool. I think Marin just like outlived his uh, usefulness, probably, and he was just like, yeah. okay, like mm. Marin's like almost too much of a threat. I have to take this out now, and it's gonna yeah. like fuck up everyone even more. So I mean, Marin yeah, I just... think I think I think he just kind of led him there to to kill him, so that it would screw everyone over. And uh, you know, it kind of did work because uh, he did possess, um, you know, Karen or whatever. But then he had the foresight to to jump out the window and kill himself. Kara sacrifices yeah. himself, and you get the great scene of of the other father, uh, Dyer, shaking the hand, giving the oh, yeah. last right, which is yeah. I, I um, want to jump into yeah. Friedkin yeah. and his uh, <laughs> particular techniques. Well, because in that sequence, when he's shaking the hand, right before the camera rolled. Friedkin slapped him as hard as he could across the face. <laughs> so he, and and in behind the behind the scenes, like the making of of the thing, can't the, do uh, that now. The the, the, yeah, the actor, no. the, the actor who was actually a priest, Father William O'Malley. He was like, I wasn't shaking my hand. That was just happening because I was just petrified startled. about what happened, like startled <laughs> and petrified about what happened. But there was like a lot of injuries. The production took mm. double the time it was supposed to. Yeah, really. Like Linda Blair, because they had a lot of rigs on her, like throwing her back and forth. Like she hit her head. <laughs> Ellen Burstyn, when she gets thrown back, they did a take and she was like, that's way too hard. And then they did another <laughs> take and Friedkin goes to the stunt guy and goes, do it. Give her everything you got. And he's like, you serious? He's like, yeah. So then they pulled her oh. back. She thought she broke like a bone in like her back and they had to take her out. She didn't, thankfully. But freaking, you know, it, it, if you've ever I haven't seen the French Connection, but I saw like a clip of I've seen the clip of when he's driving through mm. down when he's driving through the downtown of Brooklyn. They didn't have a permit to film that. That was just Friedkin no, in a yeah. car filming that. And he's just like, yeah, weave through this traffic, man. Go reckless. Like, freaking, that was, like every. every Everything I've heard is just insane. Like I one of my favorite stories was that he told um Karis, uh what's his name? Um Jason Miller. The actor. J- Jason Miller. He told Jason Miller, like, okay, like during the puke scene, don't worry, it's only gonna hit your chest. Like <laughs> it's all good. And then of course the scene happens where uh Pazuzu like pukes all over. It's like pea soup wherever, but it, it, the puke got all over his face and like his visible look of disgust uh disgust was real because he was just like, mm. What the hell? And if Jason Miller, he like literally uh, right before a take, like fired a blank uh, gun right in front of fucking uh, Jason Miller to startle him to get him, to get him in the mood. And and Jason Miller was pissed off. He's like, "I'm an actor. I know how to express emotions. You don't, you don't need to fucking treat me like this." Yeah, <laughs> sucks to be an actor, man. 
it's weird because he does such these extreme things on the set. I think the director was the real demon. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, for, like, for the he cast, was actually possessed. Absolutely, yeah. but his style because he came from a documentary background. The style mm-hmm. is so like flat and like the story. Like I think the horror in it is like if there was an exorcist that happened in your life, and you had to go through this process this is what you would imagine the process to be mm. like yeah, it, definitely. there's like only one kind of jump scare when she goes up into the attic she hears the noise upstairs and it's just the housekeeper who is mm. moving something around mm. like there's no jump scares it's all it's it's a drama it's a horror drama it's it's the yeah. drama about a family if- member that's trying everything to help their family member and they can't they can't do anything about it and it's like a very poignant moment like yeah. you know through line of the movie the the theatrical cut um the theatrical cut especially is like a lot more restrained in the way it goes about whereas um i remember the director's cut had one scene of like uh reagan like spider walking towards someone yeah. and it was kind of yeah. cheesy and it's it, it's like wouldn't really make sense for that i mean there's a reason i think why i saw movie... I, I saw that one i think i yeah. saw that one oh, oh you saw the, i saw the spider walking oh yeah. so you yeah, saw yeah, the, yeah. you saw yeah. the director's cut yeah, I guess it's, I guess if you're a Junast, it wouldn't scare you very much. You're like, yeah, I can do that at home, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But overall, I mean, like it was just the director's cut is a little bit more explicit with just like the horror yeah. scenes and stuff like that. And I kind of prefer the theatrical way, where it's just like, yeah, we don't need to see everything. Yeah, I feel like it must be such a good time to like work on this film as like a special effects, visual effects guy. Like, there's a scene where it's all crap. Yeah, where like. There's a scene where loads of crap is being thrown at the wall. I can just imagine oh, yeah. seeing loads of people just like lobbing shit at the <laughs> wall. <laughs> like, yeah, let's do this all day. I also, I also really like, uh, you know, towards the end, every time they go into the room and it's so visibly cold, like, you know, yeah. the, uh, the steam coming off of their breath. Well, apparently they refrigerated the set. Uh, the set was yeah. like refrigerated. Uh, I, it was like of freezing temperatures. <laughs> yeah. So like uh, Linda Blair was just in that nightgown throughout the whole movie. Like when really? she was in that set when it was oh, cold as fuck. And she like to this day cannot stand being cold because of that. Because like, literally, like <laughs> she was freezing. Like literally, the breath on the on them would be like CGI now or something like that. But back yeah. then mm-hmm. you had to do it more practical. So I was like, okay, these actors are actually going to freeze to death. But cool. it looks so, it looks <laughs> so cool. much better. It, like that's the other oh, yeah. thing too. Mm-hmm. Like it you know back to the realness of it it feels so real where i think a lot of time the horror comes from like the extensive bruciveness and like yeah. and like the body horror and the the kills like this doesn't have that this is yeah. played so much more straight and played so much more yeah i mean even the like the head uh turning all the way around that still works for me i'm like that looks awesome still even watching it now it's, yeah it works and the makeup <laughs> looks fantastic too. Like, yeah. um, I, and like Linda Blair acting through that makeup is like really impressive because that's she's got like ten pounds of crap on her face. I also I, one thing I think is really impressive. I want to kind of know how they did it was where she kind of levitates and then starts. You get like cuts start appearing on her. Mm-hmm. And she's like like cuts on her leg and cuts on it like she's being clawed or something. I thought that was a pretty damn good um, effect. Um, kind of wondering how they did that. Uh-uh. Well, I wonder like how much of like wires and stuff like that. You know, a ton, uh, of wi- ton, like, of, floating t- ton yeah. of wires, ton of rigs, but it, it, mm, it makes yeah. for a really um, effective film. I mean, I don't envy the guys under the bed near the start. I mean, I'm good. <laughs> I wouldn't want to work on that. Yeah, <laughs> That's a lot of physical action to make it that bed movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that kind of happens in these films now, and which happened in this one, is like um, like all the Doctor scenes. And it got to a point where I'm like, 
are you doctors even seeing what the fuck's going on? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. you're like, yeah. oh, she needs more medication. <laughs> she needs this. Maybe she's got a thing in her brain. Like she talks like a demon and literally it's got superhuman strength. It, it must be like some Michelin frog. She slaps the fucking psychiatrist across the room. Yeah. Like at this point where you just go like, it's like yeah, small drugs, I think, yes. <laughs> You'd almost wonder if it's like some Michelin frog type scenario where like if um like uh, Pazuzu was just kind of more normal Reagan when the psychiatrists were there. But the second like the mom comes out, he's like, oh, fuck you, you're a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> just screaming out. Come here, yeah. lick, lick me, lick me. Like, yeah, that was God. Fuck me. Yeah, that was fuck me. He's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, moving on uh, to who's the star? <laughs> I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, Martin, Boaz, who is the star of this movie? Who, Mark who Wahlberg the... is the star of every movie. <laughs> yeah, every answer. He just said it. He just said it. <laughs> um, I'd have to go with Reagan. Um, I mean, uh, Linda Blair. She literally is just like almost a special effect in herself. Um, yeah, I think she's performance funny. right there. Um, I mean, like she, I mean, it's great that we have like, at least like a couple scenes of her being like a normal sweet innocent girl so it just makes the juxtaposition of her being like possessed by Pazuzu that much more horrifying and that much more like crazy I think she does even a tremendous job you know even with the stuff where her, her voice isn't you know and she isn't dubbing the stuff where she's just like you're all gonna die soon like you know oh, yeah, when she wets the floor yeah. yeah and it's like just really creepy shit you know or the stuff she great. says at the doctor office it's just like she can just like turn it off to, you know the sweet innocent stuff and turn on like i'm a mm. you know murderous demon from somewhere else like a, a switch flip <laughs> I, yeah. I i i mean i'm not discounting linda blair's performance there um i think she does a terrific job but i think in terms of like what the movie needs i think it's ellen burston like i think yeah she's she really ca- she carries the emotional through line of this movie and and it, it's really like her story like like Regan is more of like the plot and mm-hmm. and and Chris McNeil's the protagonist and seeing her go through that as a mother and having to experience that happen to her child. Like if you just had a child, I would never recommend that you watch The Exorcist because it would <laughs> be the worst movie you could possibly watch in that case. But it's so because it because it is so effective and I think it's really her performance that that carries that. Yeah, she does good job. Like Max von Sydow's great, but he's in the movie for ten minutes. Jason Miller is also great. Like, there's really there's no bad performance in this movie. I really want to shout out. We haven't really talked about him, uh, Lieutenant Kinderman, and his film yeah, love. his Lee his storyline is really interesting because it feels like he is a bit of an intrusive presence for Chris in this story. Um, you know, he's trying to find out about like what happened to the director, like how you know surely it must be your daughter doing it obviously not direct like that but it's just an unwanted problem for chris that it's just a pain in the ass for her like she's just like yeah okay just go away <laughs> yeah. i love like, it i really just like the... want regan to be saved here i don't need this 
I just love his like quirky character trait of like how much he loves movies to the point where like after he's interrogating uh, yeah. Chris about like, hey, is um your daughter the one that killed this guy? She's like, anyways, um, big fan. Can I get an autograph? Uh, it's for my daughter. <laughs> and he's like, no, actually, it's for me. And so she's just like, yeah. oh god, just I'm gonna. And he's a creep as well. <laughs> yeah, he's such a creep about yeah. it too. Yeah. He definitely has a film podcast if he was alive today. Um, <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I, I, I well, no, I he really, would have uh, a like a uh, supernatural theories podcast about what happened to the director or whatever like weird deaths <laughs> <podcasts>. conspiracy <laughs> and then uh every episode uh, what i really want to see would be like the detective like procedural uh, cop tv show of him and the end of every episode <laughs> is him like talk about some movie he's about to go see and it's just like oh uh margaret robbie and leonardo dicaprio wolf of wall street looks like a good one <laughs> or yeah. some shit like that. that feels straight out of a 70s show too like every episode ends the exact same just yeah. a little <laughs> stuff. yeah I was gonna say, like, um, yeah, I really like. Uh, was it Collins? Or, did you say her name was again? Like Chris, the mother, like, um, Chris. Oh, Chris, 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 Chris. Chris. Chris that's the one, Chris. Uh, yeah, like I really like her performance. Um, you know, she, like, she definitely displays like, at, you know, absolute. You know, she's just beside herself, like in any scene where it's like, you know, she just wants an explanation to what's going on. She's like very distressed, and she does a really good job of that. I really like the scene uh, where she first meets um, Keris, and uh, and he's she's she kind of she wants a an exorcism, and it's just done in such a way where like she's trying to hide like this this bubbling despair in her, and yeah. uh, trying to convince him to do the exorcism, and he's trying to like talk her out of it that there's no such thing, uh, that she kind of breaks down in front of him like I just need some I need some fucking mm, explanation I need good. something. I- I am so glad that, that you. Was good, yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that scene up because that's the <laughs> second clip that I have, and I didn't know how to introduce it because there was just no through line for it. But now I can. Look, I'm only against the possibility of doing your daughter more harm than good. Nothing you can do could make it any worse. I can't do it. I need evidence that the church would accept his signs of possession. Like what? Like her speaking in a language she's never known or studied. What else? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I thought you were supposed to be an expert. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. Now, if you've seen as many psychotics as I have, you'd realize that's the same thing as saying you're Napoleon Bonaparte. You ask me what I think is best for your daughter. Six months under observation in the best hospital you can find. You show me Reagan's double. Same face, same voice, everything. And I'd know it wasn't Reagan. I'd know in my gut. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. That that was the scene you were thinking of, right? Uh, I was thinking of a scene just before that scene. <laughs> it's still a very good scene. Yeah. Close, close enough. So, close um, enough. classic though. <laughs> <that's, that's, laughs> it's a very it's good scene. Though. Yeah, it is a good scene. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, overall, I mean, that's the emotional connection right there. I mean, that's like the heart yeah. of the movie right there. That's her being like, I know I'm not crazy here because, like, I feel like almost every horror movie. Has to have that scene of like like a character being like 
yeah, I know this sounds insane, but trust me, this is actually what's happening. Like mm. you need that, you need that little moment right there of the mom being like, I know what's going on here and how it sounds, but trust mm. me, that is not my daughter in that room. Mm. Cause at this point she's like exhausted all options with hospitals. So she, as you said, she's exhausted all options and, but she at this point she's really desperate. She's desperate for help, and she wouldn't dream of thinking of asking a priest to do an exorcism. You know, from the start of what she's even like half the stuff that she's seen. But now she's like, I, I, you know, I need you. <laughs> I'm desperate now. But at the same time, she doesn't want to show her desperation fully. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's got you know the big coat on, the glasses on. Um, she wants to be as you know ask as nicely and as civil as possible um but eventually the emotions just pour through and it's interesting with uh Karis's character as well because he really is kind of resisting as much as he can with this situation he he's at this point not willing to you know try and connect with faith again um because of what's happened with with his mother so it's just really interesting from his angle as well um mm-hmm you know she's he's explaining the whole process like yeah you have to get it approved i have to get it uh, uh, approved by you know the the catholic church you know Mm. is she speaking all these different languages or whatever so he's very much trying to not make her do this um but for both characters they kind of have no choice but to do it Ah, are you ready comedy partner waka waka all right boys here's the real question would this work as a Muppet adaptation? Yeah, Hell I think no. so. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, would, I would like to see it. I mean, like, oh, who would be the, the Muppet would have to be, um, like, who would be the only human left? Probably, like, uh, what's Jason Miller, right? No, it's Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow. Everyone else is just a puppet. I mean, like, would... Um... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think uh, Merrin. Merrin, you know, the priest, he's a yeah, human. Yeah. Everyone else is a puppet. I, imagine... Oh, you, Imagine they can't be a Muppet. Imagine being yeah, just flailing around. Flailing <laughs> around. <laughs> the opening scene just wouldn't work if said I was a Muppet. It would just be like looking weird. Yep. It, just, it would just be hilarious. I don't know. I... What, what I'd love to see would be if uh, in the beginning of the movie, like Reagan's like, I don't know, like Gonzo or something like that or some random Muppet. And then um, <laughs> right when she gets possessed, she turns into animal. And, that, and that's the possessed <laughs> Reagan. Animal! As the drums! This segment is more to get a Disney executive listening and being like, (laughs) you know what? Those Muppets really are fantastic treasures and we need them back more so because we have really discovered doing this segment over 30 movies that like there's been like five that would truly work as a (laughs) as a Muppet adaptation. We legitimately want to see like really badly. (laughs) The rest of them were like, it wouldn't work, but I'd like to see them try. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It'll be terrible, but sure, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I, I think I think you could make maybe like a five minute parody, you know, yeah. with the Muppets. I don't think you could make the whole movie. Uh, oh. I'm shocked they didn't do that, like back in the Muppet oh. Show, because that's still in the zeitgeist back in the heyday for the Muppets. <laughs> it's yeah. still in the zeitgeist, like the head turning, oh, the vomit. It's still yeah. in the zeitgeist. It's oh, and, yeah. and even like I mean that iconic shot. It is like yeah. it's truly just incredible when he gets out of the cab with the fog yeah. pouring in and then, <laughs> like the r- lighting is just right. Like and they still reference it. I mean, like the last Conjuring movie that came out last year, it literally they like, had a shot for shot like part of that scene of just like the 
iconic part where it's just like, okay, I referenced the reference exorcist here. Wait, um, cool, we got it. I was gonna come up with a joke, but I think I don't. Is <laughs> is uh, uh, Cookie Monster a Muppet? Yeah, yeah. Is he a Muppet? Yeah, he counts. Okay, yeah. Okay, that that cool. Yeah, because I was thinking you could go, uh, like, you know, your mother sucks cookies in hell or something like that. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, seriously dirty then. The demon would either either have to be um, Cookie Monster or Animal. That'd be the only other options. Just flickers between the two of them, right? Like, it's just Animal and then... Cookie uh, monster, <laughs> but it's the cookie monster from Family Guy that's like when, in the it with the that has the cookie heroin like uh <laughs> thing where he's just addicted to it. Yeah. Just just replace every usage of the word cock and cunt with cookie. Wow. Cookie, exactly. And when he yeah. pukes up, it's just cookie. It's just cookie vomit. <laughs> <laughs> chips ahoy cookie, everywhere. Cookie yeah, chip, like chocolate chip, like chocolate chips yeah. just coming out of fucking Jason yeah. Miller. Marin, Marin will just be like, do it again. I love cookies. Do it again. Vomit on me again. Well, Martin Boas, you're more than welcome to join. When we end up getting the Muppets back on TV, you're more than All welcome right, to okay. join as executive producers. And, uh, yeah, I'm more than willing to be on set when, when the uh, uh, cookie vomit scene happens. Sure, I'll be there. <laughs> oh, actually, do you know what would be another hilarious thing? Is she? Uh, she's you know got that really deep, grassly you know demon voice, and she goes, oh, "Sorry, there's a frog in my throat." And a frog, Kermit, <laughs> and Kermit comes up, yeah. and that's why she was talking so oh weirdly. Yeah. Now that would be scary. That would be <laughs> too oh, terrifying. In my throat. <laughs> Hey guys! <laughs> All right, gentlemen, yeah. it is review time. Martin and Boaz will kick it off to you first. Score out of five. Give us oh, your final shit. thoughts. Five. Holy fuck! <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, wow. Where God, are all the do... rest of the numbers? Uh-huh. Yeah. What do we do, Martin? <laughs> we got it. No, no. We keep it like letterbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got to go five for me. I think it's it's amazing. Yeah. Oh my god. I think maybe four out of five. Oh, come on. Four or five. No, okay. I'm not going to go five. I'm not going to go five. What, uh, why, why not the perfect five? <laughs> um, I, I thought it was good, but I, I still think it's like, you know, it's still of its time and it still didn't scare me. Mm-hmm. And like, had, had I had my mind wiped? Yeah, maybe. Um, I also thought like some of it dragged on a little too long, like the beginning, maybe. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I love the beginning. I, I think... The yes, you can say a lot of the effects, the effects can be seen as a, a tad dated, but a lot of them still work really well. Um, and I love the opening scene. I think it's no, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about the opening scene. I'm, I'm mainly talking about like I suppose the oh, setup, yeah, like yeah. too much of the hospital doctor stuff. Uh, I do like it, but maybe I'll just shave it a little closer. Um, you know, well, yeah, that's, that's why you watch the director's cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe, probably, I need to watch the theatrical. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe I, I had you, too many. You probably got, there. you probably got the two-hour, ten-minute cut. Yeah, that's yeah, I think I did. Cut. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, okay, yeah, I'll watch. Boaz's the review is void. This. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'll watch the, I'll watch the theatrical cut after this and see if the cuts, uh, yeah. you know, increase the, the the film in my estimation. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought you know the beginning was a bit long. But yeah, no, I mean, I like it. I'm just, I'm, I'm not one that gives perfect scores so flippantly you know i like that uh, so i, I like that so i yeah. i do so i'm gonna give this a five out of five 
Um, you know, <laughs> well I think that this movie, yeah, <laughs> I think this movie set a template for, um, you know, pretty much any exorcist movie or a demon movie, like pretty much has to reference horror in general right now. as well. Yeah. Horror in general. Yeah. Just like, just like how many times we talk about the headspin scene. That's really like everyone knew that scene going into this movie, even though we, uh, most of us haven't seen it before, but, um, I like that um, on this rewatch, like how really just like captivated how this movie is more of a drama really than it is like honestly a horror movie. I mean, yes, the horror is the backdrop mm-hmm. of it right there. But at the end of the day, this movie is all about a uh, mom who just wants her daughter back and uh, back to the way she was and the crisis of faith. So uh, all the performances stand out. Um, there's not really much I could say that is really negative about this movie. Um, I don't like blood squirting out next during medical scenes, but whatever, it's a horror movie. So what do you expect? Uh, yeah, but five out of five. <laughs> So I was on the cuff here. I was on the cuff here between a four and a half out of five and a five. And I think having this conversation has elevated this movie to me to be a five out of five. And um, as not a horror junkie, I think I really liked how reserved it was and how like straight it was. Mm. And I just liked the realism that that takes place. Like it just it felt like it would happen to you and me. I, I said that before. If we one of us, God forbid, ever had to go through an exorcism um it, it's just well acted the 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 horror is more psychological yeah. in my opinion than it is in the mm-hmm. like the actual creature itself but i think the effects don't even really look that dated they just look practical i think it i just you know the two hour runtime perfect timing ends yeah. really nicely with the necklace and looking down at the stairs i really need to go visit those stairs in washington dc now and since boaz did not see the theatrical cut he saw the right, director's yeah. cut that means we have three out of three of the theatrical cut five out of five which <laughs> five gives, out of five which gives yeah. this movie call myself a cognac and i watch the 14 fists of mccluskey what a picture, what a picture. Good, good picture that's our water picture <laughs> award yeah it's uh it's a good what, picture it's it's uh listen it's you're still talking about movies uh 50 years later um there's actually mm. a clip of william friedkin that went viral he's talking with the guy who uh directed um uh, drive um whatever that whatever that director oh, oh, Nicholas Nicholas Wind- Wind- and... yeah yeah they were having directing and, and they were saying like talking about a masterpiece and he called one of his other movies after god a masterpiece and Friedkin just goes off on him like an, an unhinged lunatic and he's like <laughs> he's like what's Citizen Kane he's like it's a good movie he's like no do you know how many movies were released in the year 1940 <laughs> and we're still talking and comparing and like observing this movie 80 years later <laughs> that's a masterpiece you can't declare your movie from three years ago a masterpiece <laughs> yeah. because you really like it and I'm like, yeah. well, he's 100 percent right. He's unhinged. Yeah, he's not 100 percent right. <laughs> yeah. But as, as as we saw that he was slapping actors across the face to get them in the scene, uh, in the mood for the scene. So, yeah. <laughs> little so, I mean, dedication. I mean, yeah. Nicholas Wine and Refn is a bit weird, to be honest. Like his his films are oh, yeah. extremely violent. Some of them. Yeah. I mean, only God forgives. Again, like it, it, people either give it like a five star or a one star. It's that type of movie. But he's so one to classic. say, <laughs> yeah. He's one to say like cinema is dead and hasn't made a film for a while now. So the Neon Demon was his last one, right? Yeah, that was a great movie. I like that. I love that. I like that. Yeah, but he ain't making a movie anytime soon. (laughs) No, unfortunately. uh, Well, Barton Boas, this was a ton of fun. Would you like to tell us where we can, where the audience can find you guys? 
yeah sure we are the film versus film podcast you can find us on uh, all the major podcast uh, podcasting apps spotify i uh, apple podcasts google podcasts uh stitcher all those apps that we all love um you can find us on instagram twitter tiktok facebook at film versus film podcast twitter fef underscore podcast very nice very nice tommy any final thoughts so thanks you guys uh for listening um great show uh, overall um you can find us on social media at scene pod uh, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and leave us five star reviews and leave film versus film five star reviews too. It helps us out. So, yes, please. Thanks guys for listening. <laughs> Thank you guys all so much for listening. We're figuring out our September schedule, but we'll see you next week.